Well, good afternoon again, I guess. Um, we're continuing our series this afternoon through the book of Luke. Um, as we've heard um, throughout the past few weeks, maybe longer now actually, that uh, Luke has, has carefully researched um, and, and followed the way of Christ. And now he's written these things down for us so that we can have certainty regarding the things that we have been taught. Um, and so I'm going to invite Alistair up. He's going to read our passage today. Um, over the last few weeks, we've uh, seen the start of Jesus' earthly ministry. And then today in our passage, Luke con continues to paint a picture for us of who this Jesus actually is. Um, who is he and what he's come to do? Today in our passage, we see that, that Jesus' actions when he heals two different uh, people are both provocative um, and they cause some people to worship and some people actually to get angry. And so uh, we'll keep that in mind as we read our text. Now, before Alistair reads, I'm just going to pray for us and then we'll get into it. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, uh, the gift that it is to us. We pray now that, that as we read it, um, that your spirit would be at work amongst us. Open our eyes to it so that we might uh, hear it, understand it, believe it, and obey it. And we give this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke 5, 12 to 26. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest, and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. This is the word of the Lord. Well, a few years ago, um, I was at a, a, a worship-leading workshop. This would have been um, pre-pandemic. I guess that's how we mark time now. Um, but the main speaker there, he was making this case that, that each week when people come to church, um, each person comes struggling, either struggling with sin 
struggling with suffering or self-sufficiency. Um, maybe one of those, but more than likely are often uh, two or, or three. And the more I ponder this and, and have thought about it, I guess since that time, the more I, I'm convinced that it's true. Even in a church this size, the size of Christ Church, many come struggling with one or all of those three things. So, so what did he mean by these things, these three things? Um, so, so some come struggling with sin, um, weighed down by their fight against sin, uh, sins uh, you maybe can't overcome, or maybe weighed down by the condemnation of sin. You come with guilt or shame regarding who you are or what you've done. Others, they come struggling with suffering. Life is full of challenges, um, health, uh, emotional, financial, relational, situational. And some may be temporary, some may be long-term, but you're in this battle. It could be a new diagnosis, it could be a job loss, it could be depression um, for, for you or for someone you love. And yet others come struggling with self-sufficiency. And the dangerous thing about this one is you might not even know it. it it's this idea that, that I'm here because I'm, I'm supposed to be here. It's kind of just what you do. I don't really need this. Um, I'm actually kind of doing the church a favor by being here. Even in a church the, si or even in a, in, in a church the size of Christ Church, people come struggling with these things. But maybe you're here today and you're not convinced that, that everyone has one of those problems. I think um, whether you're here today as a Christian or not, what we can agree on is that the world is it's broken. Something isn't right. Things aren't as they should be. The good news in our passage today is that Luke shows us that Jesus is someone who is both willing and able to heal our brokenness, to cleanse us from our sin, and to make us new. He's willing. At the cross, he lays down his life, but he's also the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of God, the Son of man. He is able. And the fact that he is both willing and able is extremely crucial if there's any hope of finding peace in our struggles and joy amidst the journey of life. Let me put it like this way. I'm willing, I'm very willing to buy each of you a car, you and your loved ones. Um, we can get a whole lot of cars. Unfortunately, I'm not able. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough resources. And so the fact that I'm willing, it doesn't really mean all that much. Elon Musk, on the other hand, he is able. Um, he can buy all of us cars and everyone we know, and they'd be nice. You, you could get us te Teslas. But I actually did DM him yesterday. I messaged him. He didn't respond to me. And he's, he's not willing. And so honestly, he's not much help to us either. But in Christ, we see someone willing and able. And willing and able not simply to buy us a new car, but to take care of our deepest needs and longings. We see someone willing and able to save us from our sins and conquer death, to heal brokenness, to heal the brokenness that our world endures. So Luke, through the cleansing of the leper, the healing of the paralytic man, he's going to show us that Jesus is someone who is both willing and able. And so we're going to look at these stories a little closer. Um, I, I admit that there's a lot in here, so there's some stuff we're going to skip over. Um, as always, if you have questions about anything I've said or things that we've skipped over for sake of time, um, you can talk to me, you can talk to Mike, 
and I'd be happy to chat with you. Um, but we're going to look at these stories, and it's my hope that, that as we do, each of you will begin to see that in Christ we have a Savior who's willing and able. Uh, in other words, whatever you come struggling with, that Jesus is the answer. Um, so starting at verse 12, we read that, that a man came to Jesus full of leprosy. He fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. So there's a couple things that we need to note. Uh, the fact that the leper is among the crowds coming to Jesus is actually startling in and of itself. Um, leprosy in the time of Jesus was uh, yeah, not a good diagnosis. Um, Mike mentioned a few weeks ago that, that leprosy didn't refer to just one specific uh, disease, but, but include a whole kind of range of uh, contagious skin conditions. Um, leprosy, though, uh, those conditions, all of them kind of together, were terrible because often they did result in severe uh, sores and nerve damage. Uh, but more than the um, incredible pain and suffering, they brought the emotional uh, suffering and loneliness with it. Um, this is because um, those who had leprosy were treated as unclean. And we read in the Old Testament, in Leviticus 13, uh, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes. Um, so tearing your clothes was a way to mark uh, tragic situations like death and shame. Um, so they, they shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. So he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He's, he is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So here we see leprosy wasn't just a physical disease. It was ultimately a sentence of social ostracism. Um, the disease deprived victims not only of health, but of their names, their occupations, their social habits, their families, fellowship, and their worshiping communities. And those with leprosy were not allowed near the people of God, nor in the temple of God. They were unclean. Like um, a bad potato, or sorry, like a bad apple or a potato, if you're from the island, and they were cast out so that others would be spared. Um, an Israelite who touched someone who was unclean then became unclean themselves because it traveled from the unclean to the clean. So many commentators, uh, for this reason, say that leprosy was essentially a living death. It was a life filled with pain, with suffering, and isolation. So the fact here that we do see the leper approaching Christ is remarkable and shocking in and of itself. Um, he is completely and utterly breaking all the rules to get there. Um, not only does he enter the community he's supposed to remain far from, uh, he joins the, the crowd following Jesus. Um, amongst this crowd, this is the last place that he is supposed to be. Um, in fact, in Leviticus, we just read that, that if someone approached him or if he approached the crowd, he should have yelled out, unclean, unclean, so that people would know. He is a threat to the people around him who could catch leprosy and then be found unclean themselves. And then they'd be forced out of their communities into their own isolation. But despite all this, despite the risk, he comes to Jesus. He, he forces his way through the crowd, touching who knows who in order to get there so that he may be cleansed. I'm desperate. He'll do anything to get to Jesus. And when he finally gets there, after he gets through the crowd, he falls on his face in front of Jesus and begs him, Lord, if you will, 
you can make me clean. The leper's faith is quite remarkable. Notice he doesn't say, if you can, uh, cleanse me. He's not wondering if Jesus can do it, if he has the power to do so. He knows Jesus can. Whatever he has heard about Jesus going through the town, he wholeheartedly believes it's true. The question for the leper is not, will Jesus cleanse me? Or sorry, the question for the, for the leper is, will Jesus cleanse me? Sorry, not, not can he. It's not a question of ability, but rather, was this God's will? Jesus, though, full of compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. As shocking as it was that the leper came to Jesus, it's much more shocking that Jesus reaches out, touches the leper, and cleanses him. How many years has it been since um, he had been hugged, since he had felt human touch? Jesus knows this, and so he puts out his hand and touches him. And, and in fact, the word is stronger than, than just a touch. It's he took hold of him. Um, so maybe uh, put his arm around him, embraced him. Of course, Jesus could have healed this man without touching him. I mean, he does this all the time in the Gospels. He can heal with just his word. He can heal when he's in a different city. Um, Jesus doesn't need to touch him. But Jesus knows that this leper needs love and compassion. He needs human touch just as much, if not more, than he needs to be rid of leprosy. The healing will be great. It will be wonderful. But what he really needs is to be loved and to be brought back into the community. When Jesus touches him, he doesn't become unclean. Instead, the man becomes clean. The massive obstacle separating him from worshiping God in the temple and enjoying the presence of human community suddenly removed. So Jesus, he's willing. He has compassion on the leper and he cleanses him bringing him back into the community. Of course, in cleansing the leper, we see that Jesus too is able. The leper is actually cleansed. The leprosy is gone. But Luke goes one further, and he shows us in the healing of the paralytic where this ability comes from. So Luke continues in verse 17. We see Jesus teaching Pharisees, teachers of the law, who had come from all over to hear him. This is the first time we've seen uh, these groups of people in, in Luke's gospel, but they're all throughout Luke, and in fact, we see them all throughout the gospel. So it's worthwhile just, just to, to say something quickly about who they are. Um, Pharisees were this group of lay people. Uh, they weren't priests, but uh, they were people staunchly opposed to, to Roman ideals. They kind of viewed themselves as God's separated ones. Um, among them, there was a, a large emphasis towards outward acts, uh, ritual taboos, and this actually made a lot of them hard-hearted. Um, the teachers on the, uh, of the law, on the other hand, they, they were mainly scribes, um, who also, uh, a lot of them were Pharisees as well, and their work kind of centered on interpreting God's law. But interestingly, throughout the Gospels, we see them vigorously opposed to Jesus. While they knew uh, the Old Testament really well, their traditions their pride got in the way of them seeing Jesus for who he truly was. And so Jesus is here. Uh, he, he's he's um, meeting, teaching these Pharisees, these teachers of the law. But their, their meeting, this teaching session is interrupted. Um, for a, a paralytic man and his friends, they have a different idea. 
Um, the paralytic and his friends, full of faith, they traveled to Jesus. They had heard the news, um, and they came to find him. But they get there. Uh, there's no way to, to navigate the crowds. Jesus is in a home, and it's full. And so they come up with a plan. They say, let's go to the roof, um, and then we'll cut a hole in it, um, which is a crazy plan. But surprisingly, it works. Uh, they go up to the roof. Uh, they cut a hole in it, and they lower this, this paralytic man down on a, on a mat right in front of Jesus. But he's there, and then Jesus does something unexpected. Uh, it would have been no secret why the paralytic came there. It, they just went up to the roof. They lowered him down. Obviously, he wanted to be healed. This would have been clear. But Jesus doesn't heal him, at least not right away. In verse 20, Jesus says, man, your sins are forgiven. And it's this comment that, that causes actually a lot of confusion and anger. You can imagine if you were the paralyzed person who had made their way through the crowds, you went up to the roof, you cut the hole in it, you were right in front of Jesus, and you got there and he said, your sins are forgiven you might be tempted to say, like, that's really cool, that's neat, but that's not why I'm here. Like, can't you tell my legs don't work? Like, you of anyone should know that. You have to admit that if that's where it ended, you might be a little disappointed. But that's, that's not all. What Jesus says also makes the Pharisees and the teachers of the law angry because they recognize that Jesus is making unique claims, claims that are blasphemous if not true, because who can forgive sins but God alone? The Pharisees, they get high marks for perceiving the significance of what Jesus is saying. And they see the stakes correctly. They understand how great the claim that Jesus is making is. If one is offering forgiveness, they're implying that they were the ones sinned against. The only way Jesus forgiving sins in this instance makes sense than as if he is in fact God himself. Take a man who uh, is unfaithful to his wife. Um, receiving forgiveness from his boss doesn't mean anything because he doesn't need forgiveness from his boss. He needs forgiveness from his wife because he sinned against his wife. See, by forgiving sins, Jesus is implying that he was the one who was sinned against. Jesus is claiming to be God. And here's where we see Jesus' ability come from. In the cleansing of the leper, we see Jesus as the one who is willing. But here, we see that Jesus claims as, and is, in fact, God himself. He's able to heal and forgive because he is God. He has the power to overcome sin and death and brokenness because he is Lord of all. Jesus is willing and able. So Jesus, he senses the, the, the confusion of the paralytic, the anger of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and so he asks the question, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? Um, now, people are divided about which is easier to say, but, but I, I tend to lean that it's easier to say that your sins are forgiven than to say rise up and walk. Um, it's easier to say because no one could prove or verify that what you said isn't true. Uh, they couldn't refute it. Forgiveness is something that takes place in the invisible realm. It's hidden from our view. To say rise up and walk, on the other hand, it's difficult because you're going to know very quickly if um, what he says is true or false. The proof will be in the pudding. Um, if Jesus says rise up and walk, 
and Buddy can't get up, he's stuck to his mat, there would have been a real dilemma for Jesus. Jesus, though, he is the real deal because he is both willing and able. He not only forgives the paralytic of his sin, but he heals him as well. Immediately, he rose up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home, glorifying God. See, Jesus isn't just a good preacher, the latest prophet. He's not simply an inspirational leader or an earthly king who's out to conquer more territory. Jesus is Lord. He is the only one willing and able to cleanse and heal and save us from our sin. The crowd, at this point, they are amazed. They're filled with awe. They experience, I would say, this general amazement, and they give general praise to God. But notice, they did not worship Jesus or seek forgiveness for their sin. They had just watched uh, Jesus forgive a man's sin. They watched him heal him. Um, But none of them then go to Jesus and say, since you can forgive sins, forgive my sins too. None of them responded like the leper or like Peter, who we looked at last week, who remember after that big catch, he could have been amazed and in awe of, of all the fish that just happened to get in the boat. But no, Peter falls at Jesus' feet. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. They loved these people, the miracles, and even the teaching. But they were blind to their need for a savior. As I mentioned at the start, uh, even in a church uh, this size, that there are many people here struggling with sin, suffering, and self-sufficiency. Thankfully, I think this passage has a message for each of those groups. For those struggling with self-sufficiency, both Christian and non-Christian alike, the danger is like the Pharisees, we can remain numb to the claims and miracles of Christ. We can be blind to our own sin and the damage it does. We can be warped into thinking that we don't need Christ, that we're doing the church or God a favor by simply being here. This is dangerous territory. If this is where you are, plead that God would open your eyes to the sin in your life so that it can be dealt with. This is, I think in many ways, a a tragic place to be. Because we've seen in Jesus someone who is willing and able to save us from our sin. All that is required is to admit your need to him. To come to him, to fall at his feet, and like the leper cry out, Lord, if you will, Cleanse me. For those struggling with sin, weighed down by the fight against sin, or or struggling under the condemnation of sin, there is good news because Jesus is willing and able to save you. Romans 5 says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, but for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died. For us, Jesus is willing. Later in Luke, we see just how willing Jesus is. Jesus, betrayed by one of his disciples, abandoned by others, forsaken by God the Father, mocked by the crowds, gives his life for the very people who put him on the cross. Jesus took upon himself our sin. He became unclean so that we might be cleansed, healed, and forgiven. 
No longer are we isolated on the outskirts of the kingdom because of our sin, but we're brought back in by the cleansing power of Christ. Brought back in not simply as ordinary citizens or citizens on the outskirts, but brought back in as children of God, co-heirs with Christ. Not only free from the penalty of sin and the power of sin, but covered in the righteousness of Christ. If you're here today struggling with sin, Jesus is willing and able. Come to him. He is a gracious and merciful Savior, pleased to forgive sin and actually able to do so. There are others here struggling with suffering of many different kinds. And if that's where you're at, maybe you're left with the question, um, if Jesus is willing and able How come I'm still suffering? Why isn't Jesus willing to heal me? Why is it each week that people come struggling with suffering if Jesus is actually willing and able to deal with it? I admit, these are difficult questions. We don't know the entirety of the answer, but there are a couple things helpful for us to consider. When we read these healing miracles in the Gospels, We need to remember that these are a special time in redemptive history. These are special times in the kingdom of God. Jesus heals not only out of compassion and love, but also out of a desire to show who he is. He's showing that the kingdom of God is breaking through and that there's credibility in his claims. We know from history that the physical healing we see in the the gospels isn't necessarily typical of other times. But of course, there's always the hope that we too will receive healing now or at least in the near future. In the meantime, the challenge for each of us is to not allow the lack of healing to break down or erode our faith. Um, If you've ever noticed in the movies, um, some of these expensive apartment buildings or or condos, they have doormen. I've never been able to see one in the wild because I don't have enough rich friends, but maybe one day. But, but maybe you've seen them in the movies or, or you've heard about what they do. But a good doorman, they, they, they um, let in who li- anyone who lives in the building. Um, if you're meant to be there, they'll let you in. People who live there, but also uh, friends, visitors, they'll let them in. A good doorman, though, they also keep people out who aren't supposed to be there, people who try to get in for whatever reason. A good doorman will will, will keep them out. In the same way, God doesn't allow anything into our lives that isn't ultimately for our good. Sometimes we can think that that something has slipped by God, that that maybe he's sleeping somewhere at his desk, that he doesn't know necessarily what's all going on or how we feel. But the fact that God is both willing and able tells us that if there is something hard that is present in my life, it's not because he wants me to suffer, and it's not because he's unable to stop it. It must be then that there is purpose in it. Now, that can be extremely hard to hold on to in difficult weeks. Suffering is truly hard and difficult. Um, It doesn't do us any good to, to minimize the legitimate pain and suffering that each of us experience at different times in life. But God is in control and sovereign even in difficult times and tough things. 
For those suffering, though, there is good news. Because when we pray amidst suffering, it may feel like, like we haven't got an answer, like maybe the answer is no. But the truth is, the worst answer that we can get when we pray is not yet. If you're a Christian here today and suffering, you're no longer searching for the one who's willing and able. If there are things in your life that, that, that persist, that are broken, we aren't looking for someone else to do it, but we're waiting for the day where Christ will do it. See at the cross, we see Jesus defeat sin and death, and we know that when he returns, there will be a day with no more crying or pain, no more suffering, sickness, brokenness will be no more. Suffering ended as we enjoy life and worship in our glorified bodies in the presence of Christ. Each person who puts their hope and trust in Christ will be healed, will be made new. In some sense, the sad things that we've experienced will become untrue, and the joy will be sweeter having known pain and suffering. So where does this leave us? Well, whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, sin, suffering, self-sufficiency, Jesus is willing and able to cleanse, to heal, and forgive. But the reality is, if in a size of this church there are people struggling with all sorts of different things, that means that our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, they're all going through similar struggles. So we, as the people of God, we have a wonderful opportunity to point them to, to share with them the hope that we have in Christ, the one who is willing and able to cleanse, heal, and forgive. And we, as people of the church, when we come to church, when we go to home group or other church events, we have the opportunity to love and encourage one another as we navigate life as God's people. We have the opportunity to share the love of Christ with our words and our actions as we serve him, the one who's willing and able, together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in Christ we have a Savior who is both willing and able, who gave up his life on the cross for our sin and had the power to actually heal, cleanse, and forgive. Father, we pray that, that those here today struggling in different ways would look to Christ, look to Christ, and that um, as they do that, they might receive healing like, like the leper and go home um, dancing with joy and sharing the good news with those around them. Father, would we be a church eager uh, to let uh, friends, family members, coworkers know of the hope that we have in you. By your spirit, Father, change us. Make us more like Christ in this way. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.